Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 7th of February, 2022, the 6th of Adar Aleph, 5782. Coming to you from beautiful Gush Tzion, Judea, Israel, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Hope you are well, hope you are safe in your part of the world. Don't forget, you can get in touch with me during the week, joshatthelandofisrael.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. And we're going to get right to it here. The news coming out of Israel and the region. This past week, one of the top stories was Amnesty International, the phony human rights, so-called human rights organization, issuing a damning report against Israel, condemning Israel, accusing Israel of apartheid. Well, do you know where Amnesty gets their information to put together these reports. It is absolutely, I think it's just sad. Very, very sad and depressing. Um, and I saw a press release yesterday from the Im Tir Tzu organization who says that Amnesty International, the report, is spearheaded by foreign government-funded anti-Zionists anti-Zionist Israeli NGOs. In other words, Amnesty International gets a lot of their information, which they turn against Israel, by Israelis themselves. Seven, according to this press release from Im Tir Tzu, 77% of the NGOs cited in Amnesty International's damning report against Israel were Israeli organizations, which received over a hundred million dollars from foreign governments since 2012. This is in tier two reporting yesterday. So 70%, 77% of the NGOs, it's a cycle here of anti-Israel hate. You have local NGOs here in Israel being funded by foreign governments, turning over information to amnesty, and then amnesty issues a condemnation of Israel accusing Israel of apartheid. It's a circle of hate against the Jewish state. According to Imtir Tzu, throughout the 280-page report, 26 NGOs, including 16 Israeli NGOs, were cited. Of the 597 citations, 461, again 77%, came from Israeli NGOs that received extensive funding from foreign governments. The most cited Israeli NGO was B'Tselem, which itself uh, published a report last year accusing Israel of being an apartheid state. So who's to blame for this amnesty report? Well, the majority of the blame falls on Israeli NGOs. And again, very, very sad to have to report on that. But those are the facts. We are doing this, folks, to ourselves. Of course, not everybody. And so many organizations, left, right, and center, condemned the amnesty report. But here you have fringe groups, fringe groups, turning against Israel, providing fodder and false information to international organizations as they themselves are being funded, funded by other international organizations, and they all are turning against Israel. Very, very sad to see. And let's see what type of weight the Amnesty report uh, carries here in 2022, when apparently the trend is 
that more and more organizations and whatnot are going to come out accusing Israel, falsely accusing Israel, they're going to come out falsely accusing Israel of carrying out apartheid. So we'll see what happens if, if and what the effect will be of the amnesty, anti-Israel, hate report, lie-filled report. A major story came out yesterday, this reported by the Jewish press, the Biden administration has removed sanctions on Iranian civilian nuclear activities, including a redesign of its Iraq heavy, heavy water reactor. Again, I don't understand all the nuclear uh, terminology, but this is bad news. The move approved by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is intended to, quote, help close a deal on a mutual return to full implementation of the JCPOA and lay the groundwork for Iran's return um, to performance of its JCPOA commitment. So here, essentially, you are uh, paying off the mob, you're paying off the mafia, which is the Iranian regime, uh, showing weakness, begging them to come back to this deal by removing sanctions, even though they have done nothing and will never do anything to show that they are serious about stopping to produce, uh, trying to produce nuclear weapons. Um, this, by the way, is uh, according to documents by the uh, from the Wall Street Journal. Involve a project with China and the UK, converting the Fordo uranium enrichment plant into a reach research center. A project also involving Russia. So. The U.S. getting nothing, getting nothing in return by lifting sanctions. This is just the beginning, folks. And just to give you an example of how bad this is, former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo slammed the move, saying on Twitter, Biden lifting sanctions on Iran, Iran giving nothing in return, Ayatollah seeing weakness, Israel, Israel more at risk. This looks like desperation, and Americans will pay the price. I agree with Secretary, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who understands it, who gets the region, who knows what's going on here, who understands the Iranians. And as he said, this puts Israel more at risk, and also the Americans will pay the price for the capitulation, for issuing sanction relief for nothing in return. Going back, maybe going back to the bad nuclear deal. Maybe they'll get that in return. But that's still, as we've said many times, that's still a terrible mistake. It should never have been carried out. And the Trump administration did the right thing by pulling out of it. But the Americans, it seems, will do anything, anything to get back to that bad deal. And speaking of the Biden administration, the Jewish press reports that Prime Minister Naftali Bennett uh, Sunday evening, yesterday evening, spoke with President Joe Biden for the first time since the PM's visit to the White House in August, Prime Minister Bennett congratulated Biden on the operation to eliminate ISIS leader, ISIS leader Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qurashi and said the world is now a safer place thanks to the courageous operation of the U.S. forces. At the same time on Sunday, and this I saw just a few minutes ago, Apparently, Prime Minister Bennett and Defense Minister Benny Gantz ordered the Judea and Samaria Supreme Planning Committee to suspend discussions on approving E1 construction. That is the area between Jerusalem and Malaya Dumim, 
And they've been talking about this, I think, for maybe 30 years. Uh, it covers, it's an area which covers 3,000 acres, most of it's state land, and they were supposed to put up 3,500 housing units. And each and every government has pushed this off and has refused to build any one. And it looks like uh, this latest government will continue down that trend and will continue to push off, even though from what I, from what I know, it was approved. It was approved, I think, perhaps even, I, you may have to look this up, under the Rabin government back in the 90s. That is very possible. According to Israel Ayom, one reason for the halt was an outcry from Meretz, a member of the governing coalition, who declared that E1 constituted a red line that cannot be crossed. Um, another, another objection, according to this report in Israel Ayom, um, came from the Americans who are well aware of the consequences to a two-state plan should a group of Israeli suburban homes, a cluster of homes, be allowed to be built there in E1 and connect Jerusalem to Malaya Dameen. So the Americans don't want it. Uh, the left-wing members of the Israeli coalition don't want it. And again, this has been improved time and time again, and they'll keep kicking the can down the road. We'll have to see where this goes. Some really bad news here. Naomi Perlman, a 90-year-old woman who was seriously injured from a Hamas rocket during Operation Guardian of the Walls in May, succumbed to her wounds on Sunday, according to Khan News, reported by the Jerusalem Post. Perlman's nurse was killed instantly by the rocket. Uh, Perlman was evacuated to Barzillai Medical Center in Ashkelon and remained hospitalized there. She is the 14th Israeli victim of the operation from last May. Hashem Yakum Dama, as they say, may God avenge her blood. A 90-year-old woman murdered by Hamas. I'm curious if Amnesty International will release a statement condemning that. Uh, no, they will not. All those other so-called phony peace groups, let's see what they do. Not going to be waiting for any statements by them um, or any of the other Israel haters pretending to uphold Jewish values. Let's see if they mourn the loss of a nine-year-old Israeli woman who was murdered in a Hamas, Hamas rocket attack and obviously suffered this entire time, all the way from May, nearly a year suffering uh, before she passed away. Very, very sad. Here's another article. This is also in the Jerusalem Post by those so-called peace lovers, right? Uh, 29 progressive advocacy organizations and other institutions, institutions have urged you, the U.S. Congress to reject the Abraham Accords. Groups like Jewish Voice for Peace, uh, If Not Now, and others are actually lobbying um, Congress, uh, trying to encourage them to cancel a peace deal between Israel and other countries in the region. I kid you not, this is not from The Onion. These peace, so-called progressive groups, upset that Israel is trying to normalize relations with its neighbors. Not a joke. Not a joke. This is real. They released a statement titled, Reject the Dangerous Abraham Accords. That was the name of the, of the statement they released. And essentially, in a nutshell, they want the U.S. to focus basically on creating a Palestinian so-called state in Israel's heartland. 
And until that happens, any other normalization deals mean nothing. Israel's relationship with UAE, Bahrain, they mean nothing if the so-called Palestinians are not given Judea and Samaria, uh, which would create an existential threat, existential threat to the state of Israel. They don't care. It's amazing. They are supposed to be pro-peace, want peace more than anything else, and they are lobbying against a normalization deal between Israel and her neighbors. So who are they really? Are they really progressive? Are they really peace activists? No. They are simply Israel haters, plain and simple. Uh, speaking of Israel haters, Ben and Jerry's and their parent company Unilever back in the news, uh, Gidon Saar, the justice minister, took a key step on Saturday, reported by our good friend Gil Hoffman in the Jerusalem Post, Saturday night, that will allow Israel to take steps against Ben and Jerry's and its parent company Unilever Global for its decision to end its licensing agreement uh, for refusing to stop selling in Judea and Samaria. SAR permitted anti-boycott regulations against companies that harm Israel. The decision must be approved by the Knesset's Law and Constitution Committee. The, he said the state of Israel must fight against attempts to boycott us, which are part of the larger strategy of delegitimizing the Jewish state. There is a boycott law here, which was passed in 2011, which enacts immediate sanctions on a boycotting company or organization. The problem is Israel has done nothing against Unilever. We've encouraged the rest of the world to boycott Ben and Jerry's. I think we talked about this last week. Um, but Israel itself is still doing business with Unilever, not calling them out. I think we talked about this last week as well. The CEO of Ben and Jerry's Israel, Avi Zinger, asked to retaliate against Unilever Global, claim, claiming that it it is promoting the BDS with one company while supplying the IDF, the government and the state of Israel with goods worth millions of shekels with other companies. He said the country's helplessness in the face of a company that is taking boycott measures is undermining Israel's deterrent power and will lead not only to fatal damage to Ben and Jerry's Israel, remember that's a separate entity, but to many other businesses in the future, Zinger wrote. He said, do not look away and allow a wonderful enterprise to meet its end. Implement the boycott law. Now, M.K. Simcha Rothman, he's a member of the Law and Constitution Committee, said the decision should have been made six months ago. In other words, Israel should have stopped doing business with Unilever Global six months ago. He said it's absurd that several American states took such, such steps before Israel. Several U.S. states said they will not do business with Unilever. And Israel, who's being you know, who is who they're trying to hurt in this case. We haven't done anything yet, but maybe that is going to change thanks to the justice minister. Rothman, uh, Rothman rather said it's better late than never, and I hope the committee approves uh, these measures to uh, go after Unilever and not do business with them as they are boycotting the state of Israel or areas in the state of Israel, but it's really all about the entire country. So let's not just encourage others to take action. We should be taking action as well. That's the bottom line. The Jewish press reports that Jerusalem's police on Saturday night arrested two Arab suspects who are believed to be behind the arson of an Israeli-owned vehicle about a week ago in the Shimon Hatzadik neighborhood. That's in Jerusalem. 
Um, the police stated that detectives operating together with border police troops arrested two local residents of involvement in, of torching a vehicle. Um, no casualties, but the vehicle was destroyed. Two suspects taken in for questioning. Now, why am I highlighting this story? Okay. This was from the Jewish press. I did not see, maybe I missed it, but I didn't see any main, so-called mainstream publications carry this story. The fact that a Jewish car, a car owned by Jews, was lit, lit, set on fire, and was destroyed. Okay, but only when Jews, when Jews carry out such acts, even... If they're following, and I'm not justifying it, but even if they're following provocations, when that happens, that makes the news. That's front page. When a Jew does something like this, that's front page news. And this is, number one, it's unbalanced journalism. And this is actually bigotry against the Arabs. It's called the soft bigotry of low expectations. Those so-called left-wingers who claim they have the Arab interests in mind. They expect Arabs to burn cars or attack Jews on the road. All right? That's called bigotry. But when a Jew does it, that's not how Jews behave, right? So it makes the front page headlines because it's so unexpected. And what that really is is anti-Israel prejudice. It shows what the extreme fringe left really thinks about Arabs. And it shows they think and expect very little of them. And in reality, they are just anti-Israel. That is the concept of soft bigotry of low expectations, and that's why when, it, when a Jewish car is lit aflame, no coverage. The Jewish press covered it, but I didn't see it anywhere else. Maybe it gets a, a breaking news headline or something tiny. But when the shoe is on the other foot, when it's carried out by a Jew, it is front page, it's emergency United Nations meetings, it's Amnesty International, it's all of that. And this is, again, the soft bigotry of low expectations by the extreme left. And then they go and they call the right-wingers the haters, but this is the reality. Our weekly anti-Semitism report, number one, Jerusalem Post reported, University of Chicago, Students for Justi uh, Justice in Palestine, SJP chapter, told students in an Instagram post that they should avoid taking blank Zionist classes. S dash 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 TY. You can fill in the blanks. The anti-Israel post sent out last week also urged students to support the Palestine movement for, for liberation by boycotting classes on Israel or those taught by Israeli fellows. The post states that students attending classes discussing Israel who are taught by Israeli fellows are, quote, participating in a propaganda campaign that creates complicity in the continuation of Israel's occupation of Palestine. And by the way, when they talk about occupation in Palestine, they're talking about the entire country. So don't, don't go off and blame Judea and Samaria. They're talking about the whole country here. A spokesman from the University of Chicago uh, didn't directly addressed the Instagram post or the student organization, but said in a statement that the university opposes anti-Semitism. But he didn't take the statement and speak about the statement. So what really does he oppose? Maybe he's just pro-statements. And maybe 
He's willing to live with the fact that these anti-Israel haters are able to post whatever they want. They can call it free speech, but this is hate speech, and there's a difference. And the University of Chicago doesn't look like they're doing anything other than releasing bogus statements on it. Uh, part two, anti-Semitism report for this week. The New Jersey snowplow operator was allegedly caught on film. Did you see this film? Spraying two Haredi men with snow and ice was fired over the weekend, according to media reports. There's His name is Danny Klarman, employed by the New Jersey Waste Management Company. He posted a video on Facebook recorded by a friend of himself targeting two Orthodox men while driving through Lakewood, New Jersey. The video caption read, This one's for you, J.C., what do you think that means? It has since been removed, and Clarman is also facing potential hate crime charges from the two men. Lakewood police are investigating. So these two guys deliberately target Jews, cover them in ice and snow on their way to synagogue uh, on Shabbat last week, and they were caught. And this should be punished as a hate crime, targeting specifically targeting Orthodox Jews. Some, some people might say, well, they were just messing around, this and that. But to sh for for the video caption to say, this is for you, JC, it obviously, obviously is a hate crime deliberately targeting two Jews just trying to go to synagogue. So, so there you have it with them. Finishing here on the positive news, something positive out of Israel, as we do every week, an Israeli hospital reported by JNS. Jewish News Syndicate has started recruiting volunteers for the world's largest known study for the detection of COVID-19 within the surface of the eye. This according to Sheba Medical Center at Tel Shomer. The hospital will be testing if the tear film imager TFI developed by an Israeli company called Adom Advanced Optical Technologies, which takes a non-invasive measurement of the tear film, can effectively diagnose and determine if a person is infected with COVID. So this is an amazing, if it works, this is an amazing te amazing technology. Um, the, the, uh, one of the heads of the company, Adome Advanced Optical, said, if proven to have a high correlation to PCR, this can be a game changer, as the TFI device can be utilized as a point of care diagnostic in many venues, airports, sporting arenas, businesses that want to have a simple non-invasive test to determine the status of entering crowds. So instead of having to go to get a P PCR and wait and take your time or an antigen or any of these other tests, just using this device and checking your eye, this company says that they can tell if a person has corona, the coronavirus COVID-19 Again, Israel contributing to the world, and I would not be surprised if this product was out there shortly. But if you're a BDS anti-Israel hater, then stay away. Don't get your eye checked for COVID. Go take your PCR, wait your 24 hours, be tested the old-fashioned way, right? Don't use Israeli technology because that would make you a hypocrite. And that's it for today. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of... Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 7th of February, 2022, the 6th of Adar Aleph 572. Get in touch with me during the week. Uh, email josh at thelandofisrael.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. Shout out to Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire. Most importantly, everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Have a great week. 
Shalom Shalom from Gush Etzion, Judea, Israel, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel, and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. Enhance your faith. Deepen your understanding. Align your destiny with the land of Israel. Every Sunday, the Land of Israel Fellowship features a live interactive Zoom session hosted by Jeremy Gimpel. That's the Land of Israel Fellowship, bringing the Torah from Judea to the world. For more information, visit thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship.